0: did you get involved in music where did you get the interest from
1: well uh, it goes back to uh, just my family I would say Um, my household was very musical my mom and dad always had music in the house and I had older brothers and sisters who uh, you know played music and sang music and there was always a, a rankin band and some kind of rankin performance and uh, of course, uh, the community I come from is' uh, a very musical community, a lot of uh, Cape Breton fiddle music and a lot of music in, in general. so my roots are where I
0: come from, I guess.: All right, I just want to make sure I'm saying this correctly. Is it Mabu, Nova Scotia you're from?
1: Yeah <laughs> I say Mabu. Some people <laughs> say Mabu, but Mabu
0: for me. What's the population of that area?
1: uh with Marble Marble is a small village and surrounding areas I don't know a couple of thousand maybe I'm not quite sure to be quite honest it uh it varies I guess depending on how uh, the uh industry is going out west cuz a lot of people uh, like just from everywhere in the east coast uh, tend to leave and go work out in the west so there are a lot of people from my neck of the woods that are back and forth to uh, Alberta in particular, and uh, all over the world really people are scattered all over the place and a lot of people end up staying where they go to work. But, uh, I think people generally like to return uh, hardcore the hardcore people return to try and live there. probably like a lot of places in Newfoundland, it's a hard place to to, to make a living and to live and in a lot of ways it's become a retirement
0: place for people. But um,
1: yeah, I don't know, a couple of thousand, maybe. Like I said, it varies. I haven't checked the census recently.
0: And of course, we're talking about the the Rankin family, which consisted of you, Cookie, Heather, Raylene, and your late brother, John. I want to know, how did that all come about? Because you mentioned that time that music has been around your whole family, but when did you really kind of take it seriously and kind of think, okay, we can do this as a career?
1: Well... When I was a kid, um, my older siblings had a band and uh, consisted of uh, John Morris and Raylene and my brother David and my older sister Geraldine and my oldest sister um, Genevieve, and they played for local functions, a lot of weddings and dances just in the local area around Mabu, Inverness County. And they pretty much played for anything that was happening, weddings and uh, funerals and <laughs> uh, whatever was they were needed for. And plus, you know, um, my mom was terrific at uh, uh, organizing the rest, of us to go around to, uh, you know, um, local concerts, variety concerts, they used to call them in those days. Uh, when I was a uh, young kid, I uh, with my sisters, my younger sisters, Cookie and Susan and Heather and Nancy would, we sang sort of opened up for the band. And then later I was kind of the opening act. Uh, I sang John Denver songs and Stomp and Tom songs for the band when they did, uh, uh, concerts and things. Uh, probably, in, uh, in my 12 or 13, I started playing drums for the group. And then in my teens, I got interested in playing guitar and singing and, uh, I worked on that, and probably in my, through college, I was started writing songs. When the Rankin family, uh, I think it was around 1988, you know, everybody was sort of, uh, all of my siblings were uh, doing their own solo things, whether it was music or going to college. And in well, 1988, we all uh, got together for a production called uh, The Mabo Jig, we uh put together a show of Rankin Family music which was fiddle music original songs and some celtic ballads and then there was some a uh, comic from Sydney and they did skits and things that uh that same year we released the first Rankin Family record about 1989 i believe and then within that year we released about 1990 we independently we released another record called Fairly Well Love and it wasn't uh, we started touring doing festivals and uh It wasn't until about 1992 or 93, I can't quite recall. We signed with EMI. They released those records and got songs on the radio, and it was flat out for 10 years, making records and touring all over the place. And then uh, 1999, 2000, 1999, we disbanded, and uh, in 2001, I released a solo CD called Song Dog, and and I've been uh, working as a solo artist ever since... And in there, we did a couple of Rankin records, some reunion records, uh, and reunion tours where we toured across Canada, mainly. But primarily, I've been a solo artist since then.
0: How old were you when you first signed that record deal?
1: Probably, for today's standards, I was old. Maybe I was mid-24, 25. uh, I remember, I think I was around 26 or 27 when Fare The Well Love was released as a single with EMI, and and it... uh, it went straight, went to number one and stayed there for three weeks on pop radio. A very unlikely song because it was a very long song and it was a slow ballad. And the chorus was like a minute into the song and uh, it was a duet and it was very unlike uh, anything that was on the radio at the time. It was all sort of pop music, very pretty much straight-ahead pop music at the time from the 80s, 90s, I guess. And uh, But I think at the time there was... A resurgence in Canadian music. I think the Rankins came along at the right time, and we had something that was very unique. And there was this uh, interest with labels and in the country just for Canadian music. And there was bands like Sarah McLachlan and the Bare Naked Ladies and Blue Rodeo, and just started getting a lot of recognition, in particular in Canada at the time. So we were part of that wave, I
0: believe. The other thing I kind of want to mention, because I I totally agree with you on that point, Um, my mom and dad kind of introduced me to the whole Rankin family. Now, of course, I was born in 91, so you guys were already hitting your stride and had a few songs out. Right now on my iPod, as I'm I'm looking at it, I have Moving On, Uh, Maybe You're Right. Those are the two big ones that come to mind. What are your favorite Rankin family songs?
1: Oh, well, I don't really... To be quite honest, I don't really go back and listen to that music. Maybe the most definitive songs for me were um, that really struck a chord with people on a commercial level or nationally across the country was maybe Fairly Well Love. It's probably my most uh, successful song because it's sort of gone on to take a life of its own. It's being recorded by uh, lots of artists and choirs and symphonies. And uh, then there's songs like... uh, you feel the same way too, It's people, you know, I I still sing that song in my set every show, and uh, people of all ages have grown up with that song and, uh, you know, play it at parties and weddings and all kinds of events. And Mo River Shuffle is another song that's kind of a, uh, an original song based on sort of a folk uh, song that I grew up with that became sort of a definitive Rankin family song because it incorporated... You know, original, traditional, fiddle music, all kinds of um, elements, pretty much everything that we did in the group, you know. The band was... was One of the special things about the group was that it had all these different elements, you know. We had vocals and harmonies, original songs, traditional music, step dancing, uh, Celtic uh, fiddle music. So that song kind of encompassed all of that, all of those things.
0: Now, Jimmy, you did great with the Rankins, But that song, Midnight Angel, I remember going through Nova Scotia when I was younger. Uh, We were helping my brother move out west, uh, traveling across Canada in a car, and we just got off the ferry. And two songs I remember coming on the radio were Tim McGraw's Unbroken and your Midnight Angel. Can you explain how you came to the decision to go solo?
1: Yeah well I that was those songs uh, Midnight Angel was from my first solo record called Song Dog and I'd been thinking about that record for a long time, and even when I was working with the Rankins and some of those songs had been kicking around, and I didn't think they quite applied to the Rankins so i they were sort of in my song box and uh so when I finally made that record uh it was kind of uh inspired by uh, different styles. and and things that influence music that influenced me growing up. And I guess at the time it could be, maybe now it could be classified as an Americana record. You know, it's, it's very rootsy and folksy. And in the middle of the record, there's um, a little section where um, it's sort of what I call a maritime moment. There's, uh, you know, bazooki with uh, sort of uh, maritime inspired songs and ballads. It's kind of, it's, that record is sort of uh, where I was at at the time and all the different styles, things that were had influenced me and inspired me uh, in my music.
0: You just mentioned about some of the, uh, the music that inspired you. Who were some of your musical acts that kind of maybe contributed to that kind of style of music?
1: Well, I was very fortunate uh, when I was growing up. I, I Probably the first music that I was exposed to was uh, Cape Breton fiddle music. My mom and dad just loved it and... You know, the the community was just full of that kind of music, and there were uh, always uh, fiddlers and piano players in and out of our house, you know, um, playing that music. And my brother, John Morris, at the time, when we were, he he was quite young, he uh, played that music and was a master fiddler, Cape Breton fiddler and piano player. And so that's, I heard that music from the start. So that's sort of where I... uh, Took my inspiration from. As I got older, I um, I started playing more guitar, and then started doing open mics and playing uh, trios with my brother and and uh, for dances.
0: And you just mentioned uh, your brother, of course, John Morris, uh, who you know tragically passed away in a truck crash. If you don't mm-hmm. mind me asking, where were you two when you got the news of this?
1: I was doing, uh, uh, I was in Toronto, and I was about to um, go and do a sound check for this benefit at the time they were having called Farm Aid. And uh, I got the news before sound check, and uh, of course I went directly home. So, yeah, that wasn't a good day. That's sort of, yeah, that's where I was at
0: the time. I just want to ask this as well, just the last question on this one is, when you got the news, did did you kind of take a bit of time off and then think to yourself that okay, was that did that kind of contribute to you going off on your own at any point?
1: Well, it certainly cemented the deal that you know the Rankins, uh, the Rankin family that people knew it as was no longer you know there would never be that kind of reunion of us ever getting together again and touring at the Rankins because I think John Morris was the um, Celtic. Heartbeat, he was a real, um, you know, musical brain behind it. He was the guy who was, you know, he had perfect pitch, and he played several instruments and anything he really wanted to. And uh, he really was the Celtic mind behind it because he just knew that music so well, those melodies. And he had a um, incredible way of combining those styles of contemporary music, which he loved, you know, piano and and traditional and so i needed to uh, go back to work so uh took some time off and thought about a record and uh contacted tim thorny from toronto originally from winnipeg living in toronto and uh we started work on uh, this album called song dog i didn't really look back i just sort of uh, started going and fortunately that record relaunched me into the music industry as a solo artist and i really worked really hard and uh, Going back out with a band and you know uh, learning how to carry a 90-minute, two-hour show by myself. So it took some uh, it took some learning. I'm still learning. You know, it's been great. These days, I'm doing a lot of acoustic work. I go out with a couple of musicians and uh, guitar and upright bass. And, and the the great thing is that all these years later, I have this really deep catalog of songs that spans back to early Rankin days, so I like to draw on all of those songs, and I've been revisiting the older ones much more these days as I go back and listen to those songs and and, uh, deliver them acoustically, and it's fun, and people remember them, which is really cool.
0: And one of the big things that I want to talk about, too, off that uh, your debut album, I kind of got the exposure of, of course, the Midnight Angel coming through Nova Scotia, but you were also featured on CMT's Countdown, and I remember Followed, Followed Her Around was a big hit, uh, yeah. it, to be honest, I still listen to it to this day Because I feel like it's one of those songs that When you're around your teenage years uh, Sometimes you tend to follow somebody around Whether it be a girl or a guy Just to try to get their approval Or just try to get noticed But the, the one thing that I want to yeah. mention too about this is I read that you filmed this in a strip joint <laughs>
1: An exotic dancing locale. There
0: you go. Do you want use, Yeah, proper term.
1: Yeah, I did. I shot it at Ralph's in Dartmouth, and uh, it actually pr- probably was one of the most, uh, one of the easiest and most fun <laughs> videos I've ever shot. The people at the at the that club were really uh, very accommodating, and if you look at that video, it's mostly one shot of me walking through this bar. <laughs> And uh, I had a lot of my friends uh, were uh, in the video. Some people, some of them are no longer with us, but uh, it was cool. I uh, had really some good friends in there sitting down. The
0: now, park. were they were they already in there, Jimmy, or did you ask them to come in?
1: No, <laughs> so I invited them, and <laughs> a lot of them were just in there anyway. I, I have fond memories of that. I just remember how accommodating uh, the people at Ralph's were the staff and everything. And it was just a fun video to shoot. You know, you talk about hearing those songs when you are a kid. uh, One of the interesting things about my shows now is I have people coming out to my shows at, like, your age and then people my age and even older that grew up with Rankin music and then people that grew up with my music and their parents played it for them. Now they're coming out to my shows. So it's sort of a cross-generational process. Audience, I have, which is really uh, quite interesting. It's just not one demographic; it's sort of a mix, which I find really interesting.
0: How does that feel, knowing that you'd have someone's father coming up to you and saying, "Hey, I remember you from the Rankin family," and then you have maybe their son saying, "Hey, I remember Midnight Angel," like, and then t- two of them kind of have a little discussion themselves, going like, "Yeah, we both listened to it," like, because there's such a big age gap, like you mentioned. But how does that feel as an artist, knowing that you're touching so many people?
1: Uh, it's a very good feeling. It's you know it's a career that spans 20 over 25 years, and to have people come to me and tell me, you know, like yourself, I heard this when I was six years old, or uh, I had somebody at my show the other night. I was way up north in Yellowknife. Uh, somebody came to me, and she was with her daughter, and she said, the first concert my daughter went to was one of your shows, and she was I was pregnant with her. <laughs> so you can't go back much farther than that, so... But uh, I I like the fact that those songs still speak to people and they mean something to people. And, and, you know, those songs I wrote for the Rankins way back in the day, you know, people still want to hear them and they still call out for them and they play them at parties and weddings and funerals and good times and bad times. And, you know, it resonates with people and it means means a lot to me that uh, people... You know, remember, it doesn't happen for everybody. You know, it's not just a flash in the pan thing. It's uh, timeless, I guess.
0: I want to mention just about the followed her around again. Where did you come up with the idea to film it in the bar? And because, I mean, it's a very interesting video. It's one that at the time when I was watching it, I was like, look at this guy go, he's just going in a bar or like going in a strip joint and just singing and people just dancing in the background like there's no no big deal. So, I mean, did, did it take a lot of effort to get everyone to kind of, like uh, the, the choreography of it all?
1: Yeah, uh, well, I, the director, George Doherty. I'd worked with him on Rankin Family videos in the past, so he filmed 40 days and uh, he also filmed You Feel the Same Way Too. And, I can't remember. I think it was our concept to do something that was a bit grittier than anything I'd done in the past. And uh, I talked to George about it, and he said, "Yeah, sure." So he arrived in Halifax, and he was living in L.A. at the time, I believe. And he arrived in Halifax, and we went directly to Ralph's to audition dancers. <laughs> that was fun. Then I think the next day we he had it. He started early in the morning, or maybe the night before, and set up the whole the shot. Uh, sequence, and uh, we adi- We think we had we had some a production company in Halifax, you know, audition people for the parts and get people to be the bartender. And I recommended uh, using a lot of friends and people I knew. And so it was choreographed. So basically, it was all set up. And like I said, it was an easy video for me. I just walked in, put on a leather jacket, and did some makeup, and and walked through the shot with uh, with George. We were finished quite early in the day, which was great because they had to reopen for business that evening. <laughs> so uh, we shot in the morning and early afternoon, and it was just fun to do. It was uh, working with somebody who understands where you're coming from and who's who's uh, got their act together, and you don't know, have to worry about technical stuff. You just go in and and lip sync and try to look good, and, and so that's the way it was with George. He was a real pro. He'd shot hundreds of videos. I'd worked with him before, so it was pretty much choreographed and scripted out. And and of course, things change, but uh, working with somebody, you know, you bounce ideas off each other, and he gives you direction, and you have suggestions. So to me, it was just uh, it was easy and fun. It was one basically one shot. You know, we I can't remember how many times we filmed it and uh, then it was done. Was the song
0: dedicated to anyone? Because I know at the beginning of it, you're kind of going through your own struggle of following someone around, but at the end of it, and I kind of like, like this part as I got older as well, is that at the end of it, you're kind of saying about how your son is giving you the same message. Like you were saying, I followed her around. Now your son's basically telling you, Hey dad, I'm going into town. And then you're saying, I think he follows her around. So it was a kind of like a big loop.
1: Uh, yeah it's cyclical it's like he's making the same mistakes you know <laughs> so that's basically the gist of the song at the end and you're trying to tell him not to and yeah, i mean it doesn't have to be about a girl it's you know i think people uh it can be uh, What one thing i like about songs is people take out of them what they want and it means songs mean different things for different people and really Maybe a deeper message to that song. It could be about making the same mistakes in life.
0: Thanks so much for doing this, Jimmy. Like I said, I'm a big fan, and to interview you, this was so cool.
1: Hey, man, anytime. Nice talking to you. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, I've, I've been a big fan, so you can imagine. Like when the, I mean, I, I've interviewed some big, some big guys in Canada, but uh, when the, your wife basically got back to me and said Jimmy's down, I said, Oh no! I said I gotta get ready and get prepared.
1: Oh, dude, anytime. I'm always up for doing something. Who does a, somebody who does research and who's interested in school with me. That's going to do it for this episode of Tobin Tonight. Our thanks to Jimmy Rankin for coming on the show. Remember, you can find past, present, and future episodes on TobinTonight.com, Spotify, and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and leave a comment or two. For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob saying, don't follow girls around, don't be naive. Just wait for your midnight angel to come. Right, Jimmy? Anyways, thanks for listening and good night.
0: Hey listeners, I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us. And the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. It is your favorite girl. That's right. It's the Ali Mars, the one and the only. Everyone else just ain't me. I am the host of Welcome to Mars, a lifestyle podcast where nothing is off the table. I have come a long way from sex and dating